I'm Demi Harvey, and I am the host and digital editor at Indie 1023, and I am here with Arlo Parks. Hello. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Denver's beautiful. Having a good time. It's been wonderful to have you in the studio. Uh, We were chatting a little bit before, and this is your second time in Denver. Mm -hmm. 
you explored Platte River. Yes, we did. <laughs> which the first is, time, yeah, we did. Which is a whole thing. But <laughs> Denver has so much to offer. And I'm just so thankful to like have you back in tour again because this is your second time coming to Denver. You went to a smaller venue before. Yep. You're going to a bigger venue now with Claro. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But I have to congratulate you first on the monumental 2021 that you had because not only were you nominated and you won a mercury prize but you also released your debut album you've been on like multiple like tv appearances it's just been an insane year has there been anything that's been really memorable and stand out for you from last year um i think for me the main i mean the mercury prize was a massive one especially huge it took place just next to where i grew up and my parents were in the audience and like for example, the church where we were doing press was where I would have my like Christmas carol service when I was like a kid. You know, it was like very, full circle. It was a full circle moment. It was amazing. I also played um, the venue that I saw my first ever show at uh, in London, which was amazing. A lot of full circle moments. What was the first uh, show? It was this artist called Loyal Kana, um, oh. who's like a, an English rapper. I saw him uh, in this little venue in, in West London. Not that little, but a yeah. special venue. Um And, you know, also being able to branch out creatively into other fields. You know, I've been, like, exploring a lot more on the podcast side, on the radio side, which has been really exciting. But too many to count. I just feel overwhelmed by blessings. It's really nice. It's been so lovely to just see you just crescendo into your career. It's been so aspirational to see. Yeah. And, yeah, you had the—it was the BBC Radio 1 show, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool to hear as well. So, yeah. Well, I want to take it back to Collapsed in Sunbeams, your debut album, which came out in January of last year. And I want to know, like, how was the process of starting that album out? Did you do lyrics first, some songwriting first, and then you worked with people to help you kind of put together the composition? Or, like, what did that process look for you? So, essentially, it was... um I mean, it was quite a fast process. Mm-hmm. So some of the songs were made actually within the same 24 hours, like Caroline and For Violet were in the same 24 hours. Whoa. But I basically holed up in an Airbnb, had all my books, all my notebooks, all my journals from like when I was 13 years old or whatever. And then we basically wrote, like I would write the lyrics on the spot and we'd record everything. And there was like, the song was kind of almost finished there and then. So super so very, fluid. Yeah, very fluid, very immediate. Wow. Um, a couple of them were demos that I started off making in my, like, childhood bedroom and wow. then finished off later. Mm-hmm. But um, overall, the process was very... There was definitely a sense of, like, urgency to it. Yeah. Things were really very much, like, flowing out of me. I felt like a a vessel of some kind and it was just flowing through me. <laughs> yes. It was wonderful. Yeah. And did you have like a network of friends that were like musicians that were kind of helping you like create the sound or did you kind of already know like what you were going for? I mean, honestly, it was just, it was almost like a collage of all my influences. Yeah. Um, and I always work with multi-instrumentalists anyway. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't really that recording process afterwards where you bring in a guitarist, mm. you bring in drums. Yes. Um, my drummer did play on a few of the tracks, but mm. like in general... It was very much first thought, best thought, kind of bottle the lightning yeah. kind of approach to things, which was really nice. Wow. Yeah. That's like so high energy as well. Yeah, it was. Like <laughs> I can just imagine the energy in the room was just buzzing yeah, the entire was. time. Yeah, I was trying to channel that excitement, you know, like when yeah. I first started off making music, it was in one room mm-hmm. and I had access to, you know, limited material. And I was so excited about what I was making. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of put myself back in that in that excited space. I love that. And 
why so many people around the world like connect with your music and so many different audiences as well is like it's about love and heartbreak and introspection mental health like there's just so many themes like mm. why people can just like find your music so relatable was there like any songs where you were like ah I'm being a little too vulnerable on this I don't know if I publicly want to share this song I don't think so you yeah. know because when I was making the record the records that I were re- that I was referencing were people like you know Elliot Smith or mm-hmm. Jodie Mitchell Phoebe Bridges all these artists that are very transparent and I you kind also of said knew... like Radiohead too exactly like, yeah. exactly and there was no real filter when I was writing it and I didn't I wanted to feel a bit on edge a bit like yeah. I was on, at the edge of my comfort zone yeah I think when you feel completely comfortable then it means that you're not maybe pushing yourself that extra little centimeter um and so you know, I had a bit of a buzz in my chest and I was like, okay, this is a little bit vulnerable, but I knew that I was on the right path when I felt that way. Yeah, you definitely were because I see it when I'm at shows, which I know we're, I keep teasing it, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> I'd like the grief right to get you out your room 
But you've also talked about like your writing process and having journals and books and things like that. You also do poetry. But are there any like publications or writers that helped influence your song style specifically? Yeah, in terms of like prose and poetry and stuff, or yes. songwriters. And toward yeah, and towards of uh, poets and writers. Okay, um, definitely. I mean, when I was making the record, I was reading um, "On Beauty" by Zadie Smith. Mm-hmm. I was rereading some Audre Lorde, listening to a lot of. Um, I was listening to the On Being podcast a lot, which oh. brings in like philosophers, thinkers, like religious leaders, spiritual people, and they just talk about like their work and how they make the world a better place. And Mary Oliver did one, um, who's a poet that I love, okay. and she talks a lot about nature and everything. Um, but I really, I guess I was going quite broad and I was really pulling from writers that had that transparency, that vulnerability, mm. but who were pulling from all different kinds of like countries and ways of living and cultures like Mm -hmm. reading Giovanni's Room by by James Baldwin for example was a big one for me um it's a very like heavy read heavy heavy and and very vulnerable and heart-wrenching and Mm -hmm. I guess I was just throwing myself into material that had that heart-wrenching quality to it and that felt really authentic and real and believable yeah Mm. it's nice to have all those different perspectives as well and just like oh hey this is something that I can relate to that can also bring that out of my songwriting, yeah, which exactly. is so cool. And did you have any mentors musically that you like kind of gravitated to growing up? Like, was there somebody like coaching you like vocalists or with songwriting or anything like that? No, Helping you in the music industry too? Not really. Mm. I feel like I kind of came into it. Um, not really knowing anything and figuring <laughs> figuring out as oh I went along. Oh my gosh. You just um, like hit the ground running and was like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, basically. You know, I remember like when I was playing shows when I was a kid and I would literally get sent tickets from this promoter, like physical tickets and I'd mm. ride around on my bike and like, like my friend would pay like, you know, like 10 quid and I'd like put it in an envelope and like post yes. it and give them a ticket. You know, it was very much like I did not know how it worked. You were like I, street teaming, no, essentially. It, yes. It just, like I very much figured it out as I went along. And now I have community and I have friends and I have a network. But when I was starting, it was very much like, let's just see oh my God. what happens. I couldn't imagine being like overwhelmed by all of that as well. Yeah. And I bring up the mentorship because... At Indy, we have this program that's called the Local 303, and it's like a Colorado musician program where we, like, spotlight local artists. Mm. And so it's nice to have, like, them 
I guess, see an artist like you who like has that kind of experience is like, I'm just hitting the ground running. Like, do mm. you have any advice for musicians just starting out or who are putting out their first album? Yeah, I guess for me, I think the main things that helped were, I'm not sure if it's applicable to the US, but like there's a lot of radios in the UK mm-hmm. have this thing where you can upload tracks and then um, people from the radio will like listen to it and review it. But basically using the radio as a platform was really important for me. Um, using the internet as well, like whether it's, you know, creating your own little videos or mm-hmm. networking on SoundCloud yeah. and just reaching out to people who you think are cool. Um, I think also acknowledging that it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm you know, regardless, you know, you see people who have these crazy ascents and it feels like it came out of nowhere, but there's always a lot of years of graft that go into it. A lot Um, of hustle. Yeah. And then just being yourself. I know that it's the most cheesy and cliched piece of advice, but no one can do you better than you can. So just stay in your lane um, and focus on your own vision. And, and, you know, I'm a prime example of someone who came into it with no connections, knowing nothing. And here I am. So it's possible. It's seriously aspirational because, yeah, there's that could be such a daunting process, you know, especially the music industry. It just has so many different qualms with it that breaking into it can seem intimidating. Mm -hmm. So that's helpful. And how do you think that you've grown? It's been over a year now since the album's been out. How do you think you've grown like creatively since then? Hmm. I guess I've. I've continued in terms of my like spirit of adventure in terms of discovering other genres that I might want to like tap into. I'm keeping my cards close to my chest in terms of what I'm working on next. Yes. But I think even more vulnerability, even more exploring myself as a person. Um, And yeah, I guess I'm just trying new things. I've had, you know, a few months now to just be in the studio Mm. banging on things and seeing what sticks. Yeah. So a lot more of that and yeah I'm, I'm I'm proud of the stuff that I'm making right now I think it's my best work yet so yeah yes you'll hear it eventually I'm excited to hear Who knows it when? Who knows? oh I have to bring Mystery. up our our last topic before I let you go because you guys are going to see this after but you are preparing for a show with Claro tonight at yes. Elmore Auditorium and it is sold out and we are so excited for it but before that you went on a solo collapse in Sunbeams tour last year Completely sold that out. And now you're on tour with Claro. You're going on tour with Billie Eilish, I believe. Yeah, well, I'm playing a show with her in London. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. At the O2 Oh, at the O2 Arena. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how's it been like playing these like intimate shows and then playing some of these like larger venues? Because you also played huge venues like at the Mercury Awards and mm. things like that. I've become used to being very flexible. Mm. You know, I think going from playing the O2 Arena for the Brits to playing on a little boat in yeah. Bristol to like, you know, it, it honestly expands by the tens of thousands. Yeah. Um, and I guess I've just learned to just hone my craft as a performer and just give it my all, even if I was playing just, you know, just now in front of you yeah. and Just like Sarah. four people. It's <laughs> you know, I feel, like it's, I feel like it's also about savoring those more intimate venues, you know, and, mm. and where you can see people's faces and you can see people engaged and yeah. beaming at you. Um, and I think, yeah, just touring more and more, I just kind of realize more and more how important sharing music is to me and, and giving it as a gift to people in real time uh, is something that's kind of unmatched for me as a, as a way of expressing myself. So yes. I love that you say that it's a gift because it truly is a gift to receive it, especially since we went a few years without like not having live music. So yeah. It's so nice to be back safely in venues and have such intimate experiences with artists we love. So 
thank you for that. And thank we look you. forward to any of the new stuff that's coming out. I'm not going to pry it out of you. We'll just hear it when <laughs> we hear coming. it. It's not coming. They're coming. You hear it when you hear it. You've had a long, a long year. So I think you deserve some rest and some reset as well on <laughs> top you. of that. But appreciate thank it. you for coming and for performing some songs with us. And um, you can hear more Arlo Parks, including her single Softly on Indie 1023. We'll see you next time. Sadness, eh?